Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Thanks for listening to Creative Control. Uh, While I have you here, please consider supporting Youth Empowerment and Support Services, otherwise known as YES. Based in Edmonton, Alberta, YES provides immediate and low-barrier overnight and day shelter, temporary supportive housing, and individualized wraparound supports for young people aged 15 to 24. They work collaboratively within a network of care focused on the prevention of youth homelessness by providing youth with the necessary supports to stabilize their housing, improve their well-being, build life skills, connect with community, and avoid re-entry into homelessness. Learn more about how to donate or otherwise support YES by visiting YESS.org. This is Dmitry Samarov from Chicago, Illinois. And I love listening to Vishkana's creative control because whether he's talking to a favorite musician or actor of mine or someone I've never heard of, it's as if he's introducing me to a new friend. And the way things are going, couldn't you use a new friend? Listen now. To make your flexible monthly donation to Creative Control, please visit patreon.com slash Control today. Mark Arm is a legendary musician, songwriter, and singer based in Seattle, Washington. Since 1988, Arm has been the lead singer and lyricist and a guitarist in the influential band Mudhoney, which is currently also comprised of guitarist Steve Turner, drummer Dan Peters, and bassist Guy Madison. Mudhoney's 12th album is a wondrous one called Plastic Eternity, and it's available around the world on April 7th, 2023, via Sub Pop Records. Mark and I reconnected recently to have a talk about things like the state of the world and how that state is reflected in the lyrics and sound of Plastic Eternity, his work in the Sub Pop Warehouse and how that role informs his view of the strange and also normal ways in which people are consuming vinyl records these days. Streaming services and physical objects, bemusement and frustration, 
social media, cults, and the things that people want to believe, Per Ubu's unheralded guitarist Tom Herman, surfing and sharks, Steve Turner's forthcoming book, Mud Ride, the new Mud Honey song, Little Dogs, and also why Mark loves Little Dogs, how Mud Honey is working together right now and will likely work together from now on, new and unreleased Mud Honey songs, touring, other future plans, and much more. A part of the Entertainment One Network with the support of listeners like you, who follow and subscribe to this podcast and spread the word about it, and make flexible monthly donations at patreon.com slash creative control, which is the primary source of good, clean revenue for all the work that goes into me making this podcast for you as much as I do. It's usually once a week. This week is twice a week. Sometimes it's twice a week. It's a lot of work, but I'm not complaining. I like it. It's fun, but still, some money would be good. If you want to make a flexible monthly donation, please consider doing so at patreon.com slash creative control. With additional support from Blackbird Music, a wonderful record store with locations in Edmonton and Calgary, Alberta, and very friendly staff on site who will happily help you find whatever it is you're looking for. But say you're not in Edmonton or Calgary and you want to use a Blackbird. Well, you go to blackbird.ca and you want to order records, right? Maybe you want to order uh, Plastic Eternity by Mudhoney. Well, you type all of that information in where it tells you to do that on their website, and then uh, it'll come to your house if they can get it to you. So for more information about Blackbird Music, visit their website, blackbird.ca. Plus in-kind support from Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee, respectively, in my old hometown, Guelph, Ontario, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario. This is episode 764 of Creative Control, featuring the lovely and talented Mark Arm of Mudhoney, with your host, me, Vishkana. Hey, Mark, how's it going? Good, Vish. How are you? I, I'm super well. It's nice to see you again. Uh, first of all, uh, America does not seem like it's doing good. Is America bad? I just uh, thought I'd get a Canadian <laughs> exclusive. How is America going? Oh, I don't know. Uh, is anywhere really good right now? No. Actually, that's a good that's a good point. Uh, my question was informed a little bit by what I hear on, on this record, not just the news as we're speaking. So, uh, no, I don't think so. Maybe New Zealand. I keep hearing New Zealand is nice. You ever been to New Zealand? I have. New Zealand is nice. <laughs> I guess. I think, uh, <laughs> it's, I think it's kind of a hard place to uh, relocate to. Yes. Have you pondered moving out of your country ever? Oh, sure. I haven't found that place yet. No, in recent years, particularly, or throughout your life? Uh, throughout my life, but probably more in recent years, you know. I mean, I am 61. It would be nice to find a place that's uh, warm and tropical, has good surf, but also has a good community of friends. And that's kind of the hard part of just, like, moving away. Yeah. It's just, like... Who are going to be the random people you're suddenly hanging out with? You know, like at least in Seattle, we have like a old, old friends that we love and cherish that we hang out with and see at least occasionally. Right. Yes. Fair enough. You know, 
the the utopia you described there sounded sort of like Australia. One of your guys there is in Australia, isn't he? Yeah, that's also kind of a hard country to move to mm-hmm. uh, unless you're a citizen. It's also very very expensive. Is it to live there? I didn't. I don't. Oh yeah 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 uh, yeah yeah okay. yeah yeah. Well, this wasn't meant to be a relocation segment. I just wanted to say, <laughs> just wanted to check in. Speaking of places, though, where where in the world are you at the moment? I'm in Seattle, Washington, at the Sub Pop Warehouse in a little uh, office slash storage room. Nice. Uh, I appreciate you making time for me in that space. How are things going at Sub Pop? How are things going in Seattle for you? Would you say? Seem to be doing all right. <laughs> Uh, I mean, the the trouble with what's happening at Sub Pop is just we're still dealing with production issues. And so a lot of our catalog, especially like the items that people generally want, are not in stock. And that's a new phenomenon, right? Like for, for the history. That is, yeah. that is apparently the – I'm not sure why it, it hits uh, the pressing plants, like the vinyl pressing plants, harder than it does like CD production, but – I, I think probably. Ma- I guess it's because you have to pump all that oil out of the, <laughs> the ground. <laughs> yeah, it's probably a materials thing, among other things, it's a resources thing. Uh, you know, there's a phenomenon, uh, Mark, uh, where people are buying pressing plants for themselves. Metallica just did this. They were in the news uh, for doing this. Yeah, I, I don't know the full ramifications of that. I mean, does that mean that they only get to press Metallica records there? Or maybe select customers? Like, I wonder, you know, that uh, in uh, Nashville and Detroit, that Third Man Records record label, they seem to have their own pressing plants. I guess I, I don't mean to talk shop either, but I wonder, like... No, but they do, yeah. And but we get our singles club singles pressed there. Oh, you do? You So you use their yeah, stuff? Third Man. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So I guess where I'm going is, is it going to get to the point where a label like Sub Pop might be like, maybe the only solution to this issue is maybe we have to get into the record pressing plant business. Has that, has that even entered the, the, the conversation? I think the issue really would, would be like major labels not hogging all the lanes sure. uh, for their big releases at the inde- independent pressing plants and just like reopen their own plants like they did in the olden days. Yeah. Yeah. You've been, you said you're 61, so I don't think it's an insult to say you've been around a long time. Uh, <laughs> what do you make? Uh, what do you make of this? Uh, sorry, somebody t- uh, tweeted this the other day and I don't know if it's real or not, but they tweeted a, a shot of uh, Adele's latest album on vinyl just like 150 copies of it dropped off at a Goodwill, sealed, brand new. And the the, the subtext was, uh, here's an artist whose fan base doesn't care that she's on vinyl. Why is this happening? Again, you know, who knows if it was real or not, but um, there is a sentiment. You mentioned major labels clogging things, but are they, are they romanticizing the demand for vinyl, maybe, like uh, for some of their artists? Do you think that's happening? Maybe. I mean, I think people in general sort of romanticize vinyl, you know, in the olden days. (laughs) Let me tell you, kids, in the olden days, uh, LPs were just basically one of uh, the available music delivery systems. Yeah. So if you wanted to hear a record, you could pretty much buy it on (laughs) reel-to-reel eight-track or LP. Yeah. And on vinyl. 
whatever whatever the jargon is the kids say. Yeah. And eventually, like CDs and and well, cassette tapes kind of came into the mix, and you weren't really super particular about the condition of the record that you bought. Right. You know, it was like, you just, Oh, this is, I want to hear this record. This is the only way I can hear this record on my own time. Besides like turning on the radio and hoping they play a song from it. So, you know, I mean like uh, I have a lot of records with like dinged covers and it doesn't fucking matter. Yeah. But nowadays consumers, I think they're a lot of them are, buying records is sort of like a totem or a souvenir of the band that they listen to on some streaming platform and they want it to be pristine and they may not even open it up. Yeah. Yeah. That, that happens. I do. I'm conflicted about this. And, and you would be surprised how many like uh, customer service com- complaints we get by just a tiny little bit of ding in the corner of the record cover. After you've shipped like, it, after you've shipped a record, yeah, after you've shipped it to them, and yeah, yeah, and it's like, oh, come on. <laughs> okay, yeah, you say I, this is why I asked. I would think you'd have some insight in this because I'm conflicted. And, and we we've got we've gotten complaints because we taped down the used to tape down the cassettes to a backing board so they wouldn't like move around in shipping. Yeah, and people would write in and go like, well, I'm not gonna you you just ruined the shrink wrap the sh- to this cassette the shrink wrap. Yeah. <laughs> They clear, clearly didn't even plan on opening the fucking thing. Okay, what does that mean? Okay, I, I I don't know. It's like you know, like remember when people started like buying toys and yeah. keeping them in the boxes and putting them around their houses. Yes, for display. Yes, like I've got this pristine fucking major Matt Mason or something. I don't know. It's just like what the. I've seen uh, Toy Story three. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but my point is though, where I wonder if there's a being a, a a premium being placed on tangible goods. Because I think where we're getting at with the fetishization of a physical object is there must be some people who recognize that all this streaming stuff is vaguely ahistorical. It's not really going to potentially we're seeing it now, Mark, like when I see it all the time. Netflix will just say, we're taking away these shows. We're taking away these movies. Right. And people like right. me, like they're taking away like Arrested Development and it's, it might be gone by now, to be honest. They not only uh, bought the rights to that TV show, they helped produce a, a new season or two of that show. Right, and right. they said, carte blanche, we're taking the whole thing down. So unless you, and I mean... What I'm saying is at one or two seasons of it wasn't even ever available physically. It was only on Netflix. What I'm saying is I go through this all the time because I have uh, recently decided to put a slight moratorium on buying a bunch of new records because they were piling up. And I, I also I have two kids. Things are getting busy. I listen, but I also don't have as much time. So I'm like, I'm just going to wait. Till I get through the ones I haven't listened to, and uh, and then the odd thing I'll buy, like the new Mud Honey, I'm going to buy. I'm just going to put that out there right now. That I'm buying, but other th- other things I'm just trying to keep calm. But I do think it's good on some level that people are uh, whatever the. I think the other thing is vinyl is maybe CDs and cassettes are still viable formats, but vinyl is like the only real physical format that. No, that can't be true. Am I misspeaking? You sell CDs, don't you? At Sub- yeah, yeah. a lot. A lot, like a lot of CDs. No, more vinyl than CDs. Yes. Yeah, okay. More vinyl so, than CDs. So that backs up my argument. Then, 
it's right now, I think vinyl is the only real physical thing. And I think some people like it. It feels real. Do you agree? It feels real. It feels realer than more real than a CD. I mean, you know, if you, especially if you're just fetishizing something, you want the biggest artwork there is. Right. But if you're listening to it. But if you, if you're also, I mean, I don't know. Vinyl has its particularities and so do CDs. I don't know, like, if there's one is superior to the other. Sure. What I'm getting at, though, is in the market right now, besides cassette tapes and CDs, which I don't think sell huge numbers, like, you're kind of backing me up. Vinyl, all I'm getting at is there's, I think, a healthy mentality to wanting the physical object. The unhealthy part is what you're saying. People buying them and not listening to them, putting them on a, framing them, complaining that the shrink wrap is damaged. Like, that's that seems unhealthy. <laughs> that's like a different kind of landlording over, this is going to be worth something someday, so I'm buying this property. But I can't, for the, those of us who actually listen to vinyl, it's hard to complain that vinyl is like the main format. Do you know where I'm coming from? Like, do you? No, no, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, it's just the problem is, I think, like, in terms of getting more made, it's a, it's a production issue. That's a whole different. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Well, let's get into this. Sorry. I mean, I, 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 the one, the one thing that I did that's sort of along those lines is when it was announced that Appetite for Destruction was going to have a, a new cover. I went out and bought a copy of the original cover, thinking like in sometime in the future that would be worth money. When did you do that? When it came out. Oh, in like nineteen eighty seven. Eighty eighty eight? Eighty seven, eighty eight. Right. Okay. You whatever they announced, like they were like that uh, Robert Williams cover was controversial. The one with the um, like, the lady who the robot they, and the yeah, lady. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. yeah. No, you're not a fan of that record, I'm gathering? I can't tell. <laughs> I never felt the need to own it except <laughs> maybe <sell> it. <laughs> So do you still have that copy? Yeah. And have you priced it out lately? I haven't. I haven't. I'm hmm. can't be bothered. Okay, just 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 making. I'm not desperate yet. <laughs> I, I mean, I remember looking at it when eBay kind of first became a thing for used records, and it really wasn't worth that much because there's probably still like millions of them made, right, or hundreds of thousands. So the new thing. Uh, do you ever spend time on the Discogs website? I don't really buy and sell records all that much. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I do check things out on there, but that seems to be the new hub for all of this stuff. Yeah. 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 Yes. My wife and I are kind of getting closer to like the Swedish death cleaning part of our lives. <laughs> so you might be, there might be a, a Mark arm purge happening at some point. Not fully. I mean, I have to get my shit together in order to get things going up on discogs. I've never done that, but like, you know, my wife is definitely going through like the DVDs we accumulate and is like, we're never going to watch this again. I'm like, do not get rid of Spinal Tap. I just had this conversation with someone. Because it, yeah. because it may not be streaming when you want to stream. But this it. is what I just had a conversation with a comedian on my show. His name's Nathan McIntosh and he has a big, he has some bits about this. Like we started talking about how he, as soon as one of the Terminator movies, the recent sequels tanked, he made a point of buying everything on Blu-ray because he's like that tanking might impact the whole franchise, and sure, and then we, we <laughs> and then we were talking about streaming and like the example I'm saying, like uh, we have family movie night now at my house. I have an 11 year old and an eight year old, and we each rotate with my wife and I. We uh, we I bought a popcorn machine, 
Uh, <laughs> I asked for one for Christmas, the like the old timey one with the kettle and it. Oh it's right! So, oh, it's nice. really fun. We have a good time, and uh, but we each rotate through movies. And I'm going through my Blu-rays. I'm making it sort of vaguely. I'm being a dad, and I'm like, let's watch. They want to watch, you know, Marvel movies. And well, my daughter picked Who Framed Roger Rabbit, and that was a huge hit. That's a good movie. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She didn't know. She just she saw the trailer, and there was animation and physical real people, and she's like, what is this? Like, so uh, anyway, we watched that. It was great. But I picked like uh, one of my movies was Rear Window by Alfred Hitchcock, and I thought, oh, this is they're not going to like this. It's slow. They loved it. They loved it. And I had it on a, I had an Alfred Hitchcock Blu-ray box set and I grabbed it. I was fun. I like, I hadn't done it in years. I took it out and I put it in and the Blu-ray player lit up and it was great. And I think that's good because I don't even know if those movies are on any streaming service in Canada unless I pay for them. You know what I mean? So I'm just, yeah, anyway, yeah. I don't know why I'm going on this rant. I think there's something nice about physicality, but it's a, yeah, it's completely space consuming and, uh, Anyway, I don't know where I'm going with this, except... Uh, it's space-consuming, and eventually it's uh, landfill-filling. Yeah, I guess we're going to die. Is that what we're getting at? Someone's going to have to deal with all this stuff? <laughs> yeah, we might as well deal with it. And it's, Yeah, I get that stuff, too. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see what happens with all this stuff. Anyway, speaking of plastic and eternity, this seems like a oh, nice segue. right, right, nice, right. Nice, right. Nice, nice segue. I see what you did there. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a semi-professional, Mark. Uh, <laughs> it is very nice to speak with you again, I must say. Uh, I always appreciate this. Is, I think, your third time on this particular show, and uh, I don't know how many times we've spoken before that. I just want to say I'm just so happy you're uh, around and making music like this. Uh, let me start with that. Uh, oh, that's greatly appreciated. Thank yeah, you, Vish. And, and congratulations on this brilliant new record. From what I can gather... Uh, because of every, everyone's gone through this process lately of having to adapt and change the way they do things because of the pandemic and other reasons. I gather this is the case for Mudhoney, but I'd like you to articulate it. What was the process like of making this record and how did it differ from every other time you've tried to make a record together? Well, the process in a way was kind of rushed because we had a deadline. Guys and his family were planning to move to Australia and they've since moved to Australia. He's Australian, for those who don't know. He's, like, born in Perth. So it's easy for him to move there. Also, um, a, I've been, a doctor, a surgeon? What is he again? Uh, he is a nurse. Oh, sorry, a nurse. Sorry. Yeah, I knew he was. I knew that kept him busy as well from the last time you were, you were on the show. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. And his wife got a job with an NGO based in Australia, and they were initially planning on moving in October of 2021, but Australia was still locked down at that point. It was like virtually impossible to get in. And the few flights that went to Australia were like insanely expensive. And then you would have to like pay for getting sequestered in a hotel for two weeks before they allowed you to walk freely amongst the people. Yeah. And we didn't get together to start working on new material until we we're all at both doses of the initial vaccine. Uh, so that was in June of 2021. So we were looking at just like a couple of months to try to get as much stuff down. And, and what we were kind of thinking might happen is we'll just like write as many riffs as we can, go into the studio with Johnny, probably dump them into iTunes, and then like maybe later try to arrange them by in Pro Tools or something like that, if like depending on like how many words there were or whatever, you know, just like we didn't even know like how we were going to actually approach this. 
So we were kind of frantically, <laughs> frantically yet almost effortlessly working on new music ideas. And we had like studio time booked in September. Guy and his family decided to like, since they couldn't get to Australia in October, that just to put the whole thing off until after his daughter completed her school year in June. So that gave us a fair amount of breathing room. We moved our initial recording back to November, booked nine days, and kind of went into the studio with maybe four or five songs that were completed, hmm. whereas usually we like every song when we go into the studio, we like going for a short amount of time, like a long weekend, and the songs are well rehearsed, and there's no like what happens next with this song. Yeah. And this time around, we just sort of like a lot of stuff was kind of finished in the studio. Like other, we came up with additional parts to the songs and, and I didn't have lyrics for everything. So a lot of the songs we arranged as if there might someday be lyrics, but also with like the idea, like, well, maybe this will be an instrumental, Hmm. you know, what's going to work. Yeah. So like in nine days, we recorded 20 songs, like the basics pretty much. And we did like overdubs and vocals later. So quite fragmented by the sounds of it. Anything like this happened in the past with this band? No, no, no. Never. Okay. No, it was, it was, I mean, I, I, talking about the recording process is in the writing process, I feel like is kind of boring and only really maybe exciting for people who, are in those worlds and do that stuff. Sure. So I don't know if you, I don't know if you want to dwell on that. I don't necessarily (laughs) want to dwell on it except for these circumstances. Surely, surely if the narrative was, we just did what we always do, what we've been doing all this time, I would have been like, okay, not, no point in dwelling on it. The other thing that I find about this fragmented process and the time we've all collectively been going through over the last three odd years is that I can, I've talked to a few artists who, might have had a germ of an idea, no pun intended. They might have had a germ of an idea. And then because of various delays, uh, they had more time to think about a song and potentially rework a song. So if it wasn't for all this calamity, that song would have come out almost immediately as it was. But as the world changed, lyrics changed, ideas changed, Um Maybe even the attack or the intensity of a song might change as the stress level went up or the anger rose or what have you, whatever your emotional state. Do you feel like if you ponder this, and again, I don't want to be boring, (laughs) but it is in my nature to be a little bit boring. Let's face it, everyone. My point is, uh, can you track evolution of ideas uh, within this album, like where you started a song going one way lyrically and then, oh, shit. Like, I'm going to have to change. This doesn't feel even contemporary anymore because this is a very, to me anyway, this feels like a very contemporary record. It's about this time. That's my reading of it. Would you agree with that, first of all? Yeah, I mean, I don't think I even really started working on lyrics till we were like all working on the songs all together. I see. You know, okay. I didn't have a bunch of like lyrics stockpiled. The only exception to that was maybe... During the lockdown, I kind of revisited the riff for almost everything, which is something that dates back to like, like Vanishing Point era, like okay. maybe 10, 12 years ago. I see. And always thought was like super cool, but didn't know how to approach it. 
with a vocal melody and um you know i wanted to come up with like a guitar part that didn't just mimic what was already there what steve and guy were doing yeah so that might have been done in my basement or or that that process started in my basement before we actually got together but yeah lyrics for me they kind of come tend to come later like i don't carry a journal and like just start you know, and and write down all my brilliant thoughts as they come to me. Okay, that's fair. So, roughly, what time frame did you start? Like, literally, the month, the year. When did you start digging into? I got to write some lyrics for these songs. Oh, when we started working on the songs, which would have been, I guess, in twenty twenty one, in the summer of twenty twenty one. Okay, that's when you started. I sorry, I thought you maybe were trying to get at that. Most of the arrangements were captured, bed tracks were captured, and then you went in with vocals. But you're saying it was some amalgam of everything like you were in the- yeah, yeah 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 okay so 2021 yeah, before, we, before we went yeah. well, like we recorded i think i mentioned this we recorded 20 songs yeah and before we went to the studio we had full arrangements for like maybe four or five okay so everything so, else was sort of cobbled together yeah and arranged in the studio one of the reasons I'm asking about this is because I think in the last three years, every few months, zeitgeist mood, collective mood has shifted. I think we were initially, when this all started, I think some most of us were like shocked, worried, then anger, then anger for different reasons, <laughs> you know, stress for different reasons. Um, on a personal level, if you think of that time and place that you started to dig in and write words down, what frame of mind would you, how would you characterize rather your, your frame of mind uh, as you began to ponder what to talk about? Ah, fuck. I don't know. What was my frame of mind? Normal Mark arm, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) That that is actually, if you go to a mood board, that's on there. Normal Mark arm. (laughs) It wasn't like, I mean, a lot of these songs are born out of frustration, and that's not something that ever totally goes away for me. Yeah. Uh, frustration and bemusement. <laughs> to me, you're the ideal voice. Like, I, I think some people, uh, Mark, as you may guess, I talked to lots of different people. Some people have tried to deal with this situation <laughs> and talk about it in their work and process it. Uh, other people are like, no, I went, to be honest, I couldn't even deal with this. I decided to write about myself or some other thing. I, I visit, revisited a story or a, a batch of songs from 2016. I'm not ready to talk about this. Again, I can't think of anyone better, Mark. We need Mark Arm to kind of process uh, some of what's going on and put it into songs because that's where I'm coming from with it. You can't be objective about it. But when I said earlier, this is a contemporary blast of songs, we're talking about 2021, I guess, in terms of lyrics. Um, were you purposeful in that regard? Like, I'm going to try to talk about things mostly anyway. I'm generalizing. There are other uh, themes on this record, but did you make a point of like, I got to fucking talk about this shit. Like, this is crazy. We have to talk about this. It's great. It was crazy, but I didn't want to like write a record that was completely dated. Yeah. You know, and like super time specific. I think the one song that, definitely might fall into that trap is here comes a flood because it's just about like ivermectin use. <laughs> that, But that's an interesting one, if I may, because I got, if people dig into that song, I think there's obviously stuff about right-wing media. There's ob- to me, oh, for sorry, sure. I'll tell, I'll tell you what I, I'll give you my, well, that's what that's, that was, a, that was what was pushing 
but but swirling that, that is a cure. Swirling within that ideology, though, I, there's also Noah's Ark. I would argue there's maybe a little animal farm. There's just like I picked up on a few different things, but it's all swirling around kind of a similar ideology of like we're right, whatever we say, and it, it also we're going to be fine. We're going somewhere else. You guys are all fucked because <laughs> we believe in this kind of thing and you're sheep and blah, blah, blah. Sorry. Is all, so am I, is that a wrong interpretation from your perspective? No, that's perfect. Yeah. So nice one. Thank you. I get an A. I got an A on my essay, everyone. My thesis defense went well. No, I, 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 I that's a contemporary one, but I feel like I can't help but wonder if, uh, all of this shit has pervaded you as a, a writer and maybe even the way you attack these songs. There's also like, Beautiful. There's acoustic guitars. There's, there's like a lovely, like almost, uh, almost like balladeering on some small level. Don't get it twisted, but a little bit. So that gets, it, it, I think it captures a pretty dynamic mood and a dynamic range of shit that we've all been going through in a weird way, but from a very personal place. So that's why I'm kind of trying to ask you some potentially awkward questions about where you were kind of coming from. Well, they're, they're not awkward. I, uh, yeah. I guess I'm I'm just making them awkward. <laughs> that's in the mark. That's in the mark. Our mood board too, everyone. Uh, mark arm awkward. <laughs> Make, makes it, makes life awkward. <laughs> no, I yeah. I just I guess here's here's a way of framing it for you, Mark. Do you think, man, you're gonna hate this one? Do you think you write songs to process the world? I don't think I write songs to process the world as much as their reflection of how I'm processing the world. Right. So it's not a deliberate action for you to be like, I got to make sense of this. I better write a song. Um, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, and all those poor people out there who aren't songwriters who just really can't make sense of the world. I really pity them. Do you finish a batch of songs like this and feel like you have a better sense of how you feel about shit? Like what's going on? No, usually I look back, I'm going to go, what the fuck was that? (laughs) (laughs) So your relationship to songwriting has always been a little detached. Does this feel more, sorry, I'm putting words in your mouth. Is that kind of what you're getting at? I I don't, don't, no. (laughs) I mean, I feel like, to me, the most boring subject matter for a song is like a relationship. <laughs> you know, like, oh, you had a breakup. You're so alone in that. <laughs> you know, like, fuck off. It's a cliche. Why? Well, who yeah. cares? Yeah. Who cares about you and your fucking relationship? And yet, don't you have a love song for Tom Herman here? Yeah, yeah, but I mean, I've never actually met Tom. <laughs> no, Herman. it's not a personal love. Song, but it's, not a, <laughs> it's not a love song in the tradition that you're talking about. The cliche. But no. there's a devotional song <laughs> to a guitar player. No, but it's not a it's not a heartbreak song. No, I see what you're saying. You know, yeah. <laughs> I had a thought, and I what was it? Oh, it doesn't matter. No, you, I, I here's the thing, everyone listening. <laughs> if anyone's going to be gun shy about talking about their work, I think it's going to be you, Mark, because I, I think you probably view it as a little pretentious. Is that a fair way of putting it? Possibly. I mean, I'm not like a, a brooding artist or anything, and I don't. Obsess over this stuff that I do. <laughs> you are you write with a certain. When I say detachment, by the way, you use the word bemusement earlier, and I can't help but be like, 
You're observ- you're an observ- you're like an observational comedian. <laughs> you're, you're, you're 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 into you're into it. You're part of society, but you're kind of looking at it from a slightly objective point of view, maybe. And maybe that's how you I I, I mean I try to. Obviously it's not going to be purely objective. Nothing I don't think any person can be purely objective. Yeah. Well, I mean, when I think of some of these songs, like Souvenir of My Trip. You invoked, uh, what did you invoke earlier? Almost everything. Even that, like the narrative voice, I can't help but feel like it's an alien or something. Like someone who's, like I know it's someone, uh, I don't want to give away too much, but that's what I'm talking about too. Like you uh, you seem to adopt narrative. The narrative voices that you employ, do not they're not always yours. Is that a fair way of putting it? For sure. Yeah. 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 I try not to, like even if it's a subject that, I, I, I try to find a way to like, maybe a short story writer, you know, or yes. uh, like coming up with like a, almost a character that, uh, you know, I don't go into great detail, like describing their clothes or anything like that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Yeah. And, and some of these songs are like, like souvenir, my trip, almost any, everything severed dreams in the sleeper cell of one or two are, I would say influenced by psychedelic sci-fi. Yes. Yes. There is that coming up to, sorry, I know we've talked about this before. Uh, I believe we have anyway, when I got into your origin story, where does your interest in kind of psychedelic sci-fi kind of emanate from? Cause that's been a running theme in Mudhoney as well. Um, can you just for people who may be not familiar, where does that interest sort of come from for you? Well, I mean, I haven't had a true psychedelic experience in decades. Mm-hmm. But uh, my younger years of tripping were initially pretty profound. And so that's always something that I can just sort of fall back into, I think. And I think I'm actually maybe due for a heroic dose at some point, but I'd like to do it in a, <laughs> in a decent and, you know, like a safe environment with uh, maybe a guide, not like an ayahuasca, like shaman or anything like that. <laughs> where like I'm in a room with a bunch of people who are vomiting around me. Mm-hmm. Um, sounds great, would, by the way. That sounds pleasant. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't yeah. know what that is, but it, it sounds fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> sounds fucking terrifying. Um, but not just like running around in the city, you know, like you would maybe when you're in your early 20s or teens or <laughs> stupidly like – messing around with psychedelics as entertainment. <laughs> you know, it's interesting that you talk about psychedelics because I think we're in a, and I think you get into this on this record a little bit, even by talking about that a horse tranquilizer, whatever the hell it was, the drug. Uh, we're in a weird time for information, distortion, mind-altering information, let alone uh, substances. Do you feel that a little bit? Like we're nothing is, we're so fractured that information is, we don't trust anything kind of thing? Yeah, you know, I don't spend, I virtually spend no time with social media. Like every once in a while, I'll like, if I hear something like about someone I know passing away, which happened recently, I'll get on my wife's Facebook and try to find out if like they're, like a friend of mine texted me about uh, someone who who had died. And I was like, is this true? You know, so I tried to confirm that. Mm. I'm so sorry. Uh, I'm sorry to hear that, Mark. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, yeah. Or just like, you know, what's this person up to? Mm-hmm. Well, and usually the people who want to like 
find out what's going on in their lives, they don't post anything. <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, well, how's, I haven't thought of Joe for a long time. What's Joe up to? Oh, he hasn't posted since 2019. Yeah, I think a few of there's <laughs> more than a few of us who are like, we have those things. I'm one of them. Like, I only now use them to let people know about stuff on my show. I just gave up. I don't know what else to do with it. And I, right. if I didn't have to do that, I, I don't, I was getting kind of tired of uh, people being like, coming up to me on the street who I hadn't talked to in a while being like, sorry to hear about your cat. I'm like, how do you know about my cat? Oh, because somebody posted it and my wife or I posted it on the face. That's weird. Like people were right. finishing, finishing sentences, conversations before they even started. Oh yeah. Right, you, right, right, uh, right. Yeah. I, I'm sorry. I, you were in Toronto. Anyway, I got to go. Like they just, <laughs> it was like, what, what, what happened to asking <laughs> how things were going? Yeah. I don't sound old, but I, yeah, the surveillance state part of it was kind of creeping me out personally, but, um, my, no, for sure. Yeah. 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 My point being though, because uh, for those of us who haven't part, but you know, that's the problem with the vaccine. Cause there's a chip that'll follow you around. <laughs> Unlike the cell phones we have. Unlike your fucking phone. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, that you willingly take with you wherever you go. I tried to have a, a make a, a a joke that bombed at the beginning about America, but uh, Mark, uh, in all seriousness, like you know, we we also talked about you maybe pondering moving. Are you sad? Are you upset? Are you angry? Like, what do you make of how not just your country everywhere? You you actually, yeah. To be fair, this is happening everywhere. In a grand statement, if you can make one, <laughs> overarching statement, I should say. What's going on with us from your perspective and how is our behavior maybe manifesting itself in some of these songs? Can you speak to that? Yesterday at lunch, uh, my coworker pulled up that documentary about Waco, mm -hmm. the David Koresh thing. And I was just like, it's so weird. Like, who are these people that come up with like a half-baked idea and think it's like, this is how the world should be and then convince other people to follow them. And, you know, I said that to Gabe, my coworker, and he was like, well, you know, like most people aren't that smart. Mm -hmm. <laughs> most people are also looking for something to put their faith in. Yeah. Why? I, 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 I don't think I've ever looked for that. No. <laughs> I mean, I, I was I, raised I, in like a Christian fucking. Yeah. You know, and all that did was like make me go like see hypocrisy everywhere. You yes. Know? Like I just, I mean, from like childhood, you know, Same. it was like clear as day to me. And like there's other people who are like fully buy it or whatever, whatever is being fucking yeah. sold to them, they fully buy it. And it's just like so weird to me. Yeah. I had the same experience with Hinduism. And all it took was me, them saying, my parents, who I love, and uh, all that. But we, uh, yeah, I, they'd say, we have to do this. And this is why, you know, again, my that religion is a lot of figures. <laughs> it's not just the one guy or the one, there's like an elephant god and like the multiple arms. And I'd be like, okay, this seems impossible for me to process as a human being. If there's nothing logical about this. This seems fantastical. How can you believe this? And the more questions I would ask about why we're doing things, the more I turned into a punk right, right. Uh, at a young age. Like, oh, okay, there's no, there, you got nothing. You can't, you can't back any of this up. It's feelings. And now I think, uh, it's also the tradition. Of, 
It's tradition and feelings. This is what our family has believed for generations, and so we just go with it. But that's now happening in, like you said, we're seeing it all. How many uh, documentaries are there about cults of people making fringe things up? I won't even name them all. Just naming, like, they're just like, we're going to create a cult. And it's all sort of based on there's one true thing to believe. And now you're seeing it with your that guy down there. He's got a cult. And they just believe everything he and Q and whoever. Ah, I don't I didn't want to name any of them. I think people are depressed. And they don't believe. I think religion has let a lot of people down. <laughs> really? <laughs> I, think, I think religion set a lot of people up to think everything was going to be one way. And when it didn't, they went for something else. And now it's just anything. Is that a way of putting it? It's the yeah, ivermectin. That's, it's that's, the, yeah. 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 And, uh, <laughs> getting into like social media rabbit holes and stuff, the whole idea of do your own research. <sighs> and your own research is only just based on like finding tweets or posts that reinforce your belief. I had this, yeah. And, but I think a lot of the, I don't know, I'm, I'm going to really generalize here. I think there are people who are gaming the system to, sorry, Mark, I have a theory here in Canada that uh, conservative people want to keep uh, their voting block as dumb as possible. As no, un- that, that, un- yeah, that's, that's, that's the, the, definitely the key in the U.S. as well. They prey on their lack of knowledge and education so they, they, they're more susceptible. That's the voting. That's why they attack the schools. Uh, in particular, and the media, because those are places where people tend to get real information. So, books. sorry, books and, and books, everything with real information they're going after is to keep people numb and dumb. That's what I think. Now, do I sound like a tinfoil wearing conspiracy theorist? I don't mean to be uh, like that. No, guy. I don't. I mean, well, you know how there's like uh, people get upset about like drag queens, like reading books to school children in libraries. Yeah. You've heard, you've heard of that? A hundred percent. It's uh, every day yeah. I hear about it. Yeah. I think the real issue is that it's not that there's drag queens doing the reading. It's just that there's books. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree. So and my they're po- just trying to, sh- they're just trying to shut down reading to kids. Right. And so the, where I was coming from though is, but yeah, I, I understand like you're floating that thought as a conspiracy theory. I don't think it's a conspiracy theory. I think it's a, I think that's true because Where I'm also at, and I've talked about this with a few people, is that satire doesn't even work anymore because there's some people on the Internet that go and they talk to and they show how dumb some of these people are. They they just out talk them and they outthink them in front of a camera. And 10 years ago, we'd all have a good laugh at it. But now it seems sad and dangerous to me because I think like you mean like Jordan Klepper going around on The Daily Show and going to Trump rallies and like. Yeah, or the good liars who I like, but I also think, what do we, at the end of everything I watch, I'm like, well, what are we doing with this? You've just told your audience how, we all know this. You're trying to show how dumb they are. What I see is, I see it now as very sad. Uh, I see these people as the ones who want to assert their intelligence because they've been treated like idiots, or they are maybe idiots, but they've been treated so badly that they can't, this is the way they assert their intelligence by, oh, you don't know the real facts. And you're like, yeah, those aren't real facts. I don't, I'm sick of listening to you intellectuals tell me what's real and what's not. You've been snobby and shitty to me my whole life. Fuck you. Here's what I think. I don't see how we're out of this. Like, I don't see any way out because these 
the people who are the least educated are pretending to be the most educated. I am I is this making sense? I don't know how. Yeah, it, it is making sense. I'm uh, I'm just trying to wondering where this like anti-smart people victimhood is coming from because like most people probably don't just like I don't think they even engage with like people who are telling them that they're dumb. They're probably just engaging with like people from their own community who it's something with mainstream like Fauci. Dr. Fauci. He's a doctor. That's an actual well, doctor. People just didn't want people just <laughs> didn't want to hear anything that told them that they had to like not have parties or whatever the fuck or you know not keep their business open you know i mean which it was a fucking terrible thing you know you you can't generate money yeah you know and your your family's going to starve you know well most of the stupidity if you will i think is actually rooted in uh fear most hatred is oh, rooted sure. in insecurity and fear fauci's telling you like this is fucked up and they're like no doesn't have to be fucked up. Denial. Just denial of, it's not only denial, it's just denial of facts, but it's just denial generally. And I feel like some of this is swimming around in these songs, which I want to get back to. Sorry for going on several rants. Uh, <laughs> I think it's germane to some extent, but like, yeah, like how do we coexist when people just mistrust everything that is frightening? Climate change. Like, sorry, the COVID stuff to me was a mic, it's still a microcosm of what everyone has been saying about climate change for like 60 years of right. of compartmentalizing that is that's not happening. That's not happening. And not only is it not happening, you're lying to us. Like it's shifted. Well, I mean, the, yeah. even with the pandemic, the previous one was maybe out of the memory of most people, like the one in like the Spanish flu. 1918 or whatever it was. Yeah. 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 20 1918 um, 20 i don't remember 18 i was during world war one right yeah yeah so like my parents were born in the early 20s so they didn't have any memory of that but there is knowledge of it it wasn't really that far away yeah and yeah. you know i mean i think for the last at least 20 or 30 years i you know you'd hear about like oh they think this bird flu might be the next pandemic you know that was just like a constant thing so when it actually happens, people were surprised. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, there's been movies made about this idea. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like um, you talk about psychedelic science fiction. It seems like science fiction to people. It doesn't seem. Yeah. I don't think people accept reality for reality uh, is right. where I'm coming from. And I think maybe where you're coming from with some of these songs. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, Crimean Atmospheric River, for sure. That's yeah. yeah. <laughs> the dispassionate weather talking about the stupid humans. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, like I said, I think these are messages that I, I, for one, appreciate them because there are a lot of people who are not engaging with this kind of uh, real life information. And I appreciate that, too. Sometimes I want a respite from the world. So I put on a record. I just want you to know that I appreciate you digging in. Uh, and I'm sure I'm not the only one. And I don't think it's going to be dated. Sorry, on some level, though, every record you make, have made, Mark, is a, for you probably a little archive of that time and place in your life, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So as we look back, or sorry, as you look back, if you ever do, you more than us will have a better sense of like, oh, that's what was going on. 
that's I can remember what was kind of going on when I kind of wrote that song. Do you have those thoughts or impulses? oh sure yeah 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 and and sometimes especially with some of the older songs, I just be like, oh my god, these lyrics are so terrible. <laughs> I was so young and dumb. <laughs> do you do you adapt those songs now? Alter them or no, I don't no. You, it, I'm not going to change the lyrics to here comes sickness. No, 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 <laughs> probably not. Probably not necessary actually at this point. No, I, I no, that's fair enough. Uh, you, you talked about guy moving um, to Australia and that creating, but that obviously creates a huge uh, uh, geographic disconnect. Um, how's the band sort of functioning at the moment? If it is, uh, as you gear up for this record release. Well, we, since he moved, we've done a European tour. So what we do is get we there. We got together about four or five days before the tour and practiced in Nijmegen, where our tour manager lives. He hooked us up with this nice practice place, which was just right around the corner from a hotel that we stayed at. And that was kind of how we got ready. And we're going to do a similar thing in Australia, uh, going to Melbourne about five days before the tour starts. Nice. That's great. So you're you're making it. Yeah. You're going to make it work. No. Yeah. 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 That's good. Yeah. There's something in the biographical information about people asking you about how long this band's been together, and you're like, "This is what friends do." I thought that was really lovely. I think you compared mm. it to like some people get together to play poker. <laughs> some right, people. Right, right, right. So uh, that's a, uh, that's a very centered uh, philosophy. Like you, these are your your buddies. What else are you going to do? Is that your philosophy? Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, they're not all my buddies, but. They're the buddies that I play music with. You know what I mean? Okay. Like, I don't have poker nights, but I go, you know, get in a vehicle and drive to the coast and hope there's surf with friends. Yeah, right. <laughs> I think you're going to have fun in Australia. From what I understand, the surfing is outstanding. You ever surfed in Australia? Uh, yes. Yeah, on the last Monkey Wrench tour, I went to Bell's Beach, and that was, up until that point, like the wave of my life. That was fucking great. You ever get scared out on the in the on at the times? Wave? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I couldn't do it. I, I could. You could tell I'm a coward. I couldn't do it. I can't swim. <laughs> I'm not buoyant, Mark. I sink. I sink like oh, a stone. <laughs> swimming helps. <laughs> yes. Giving <laughs> having confidence in the water. I mean, I think before you even surf, you got to just play on in the waves on shore and understand like kind of how they work as a you know. Yeah. Sharks? Do you ever worry about the sharks? No. There's this place in California that my wife and I went to several times that we loved going to, and it was sort of a more secluded place. And a few years, several years ago now, I mean, some stand-up paddleboarder was like, had a um, GoPro on the top of his paddle and would stick his stick that edge down and you would just see like juvenile great whites oh my god coming around whoa and like they're always there oh okay hmm. so after realizing that i wasn't like scared about going to that place i was more like oh they don't give a shit about you and i i think because it's like a juvenile breeding ground right i think the I mean, I don't know for sure. I'm no shark. I don't know how sharks think. <laughs> but I kind of feel like a juvenile is, we aren't their food, right? No. They're, we're not, and we get kind of 
caught, usually it's by like an older shark who may, maybe doesn't see or smell as good. Are you <laughs> and, saying that like, most shark attacks and, occur because of senile sharks? Is that what you're... I, I, I think that might be it, at least in terms of great whites. Huh. I think a bull shark and a tiger shark, that's a different story, but thats I've never uh, surfed in waters with those. I didn't mean to uh, invoke anything scary, but I was talking about movie night, and I made the huge mistake of thinking my 8- and 11-year-old were ready for Jaws. Oh, no. Not a good idea. I saw it when I was like 5 or 6. I gave him a big talk. I'm like, look, there's a shark. It's not... It's real, but it's not. I couldn't figure out how to talk about it because most of the fantastical movies, you're be like, "There's no witches, there's no bears that talk and then eat you," but the shark is real. So then I found myself saying something, and we shut it off in like ten minutes. They're like, "No, this is too scary." I'm like, "Okay, I'm sorry. I didn't. I feel like I'm a bad dad." Sharks are frightening. That movie's also like done so much to damage to sharks. Yes, it has. You, you know. Um, yes. And it, it did a little bit of psychological damage to me as a kid. Like, I mean, it I remember did. going to, like, the community pool and, and thinking that, like, well, I hope a shark doesn't come up through that drain. <laughs> Mark, I can't swim. I, I'm telling you, I can't swim. And I saw Jaws when I was, like, five years old. I refused to learn how to – I'm like, the less I know – the less likely, I if someone says go, why don't you go in the ocean? I'm like, no, I can't swim. And which was the last time we were in uh, Nova Scotia, I <laughs> we went to the beach and I just randomly wrote like a shark and uh, the beach's name. A week earlier, there was a great white swimming around in the, where exactly where we were, and I was like, what? And they, they say they've been tracking this great white that comes up from Florida to Nova Scotia, and they they named it like Bessie or something, There's some cute name. And uh, I was, uh, I didn't like it. <laughs> I missed it, but I didn't like it. Anyway, sorry to get into the sharks. I just, your surfing fascinates me. I'm glad you enjoy it. Um, one real quick thing before we wrap up, uh, and I don't know if you, you can even speak to it, but I understand your, your longtime bandmate, Steve, has a book coming out. Do you have any insights about this that you can share? Uh, I think it's sort of about your... Stuff? I have not read it yet, uh, okay. <laughs> but it's called Mud Ride, which, uh, so I'm assuming that Mud Honey might play a part of it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But you haven't, he didn't ask you, you did you, did you interview for it or anything? No, no. He said when he was working on it initially, he would like reach out to Dan, who has like the kind of the sharpest memory for detail uh-huh. of any of us. You know, like, hey, you know, when we did this, do you remember this? And, and then after a while, he was kind of like, fuck it. It's just my memory. Yeah. he's oh, okay. It doesn't so matter how how true it is. If there's like an objective truth, which you can't find. <laughs> so it's a very personal story for him, as far as you I, know. As far as I know. Okay. Well, that's interesting. I just thought maybe you... Sorry to bother you with that. I, I, I figured that might no, be No, no, not a problem. I, yeah. I, I, uh, I'm looking forward to reading it and... Um, Dope for Steve that he has this thing coming out where he gets, I guess, all of his ill feelings towards me off of his chest. (laughs) (laughs) You should try writing a song, articulating it in a song. That would be a good, like in the lyrics. Here, I wrote this song and these are the lyrics you have to sing. (laughs) About you. (laughs) (laughs) About yourself. Ah, Jeez, Steve, I don't know if I can do this. This is terrible. (laughs) Do you have have any other non, before we get to the Mudhoney sort of business plugging, uh, do you have your own 
outside uh, projects or interests that you're pondering, books or there's already been at least one documentary, right? I'm trying to think. Is there anything you got coming up? No, there's been a documentary that was done around the time of the Lucky Ones, and yeah. Keith Cameron wrote a book on the band that was updated as we were recording this latest record. So that oh, cool. the, the new edition has some newer stuff in it. What about you? Have you thought about uh, no not venturing outside of songwriting? You're in terms of telling, I'm, I'm barely of- venturing in songwriting. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Touche. I should have known that might be the answer. Okay, fair enough. Um, No, I appreciate that. So a couple of housekeeping questions. Uh, uh, Wondering about what's next. I know that I I, 20 songs, uh, to my knowledge, we got 13. No, wait, what do we got on the record? I think we got 13 on the record. Is that right? Yep. And then you've got, oh, little dogs. I meant to ask you about little dogs, but we'll maybe we can. You just like little dogs. Is that the answer? (laughs) I like little dogs. Yes. yes. You You got yourself a little dog? I do have a little dog. Why the little dogs? My kids want an animal, and we're wrestling with what to get. Not literally wrestling with animals. We're we're <laughs> we're like cat, dog. What are we gonna get? We've had dogs. Like we got our first dog about a year into our marriage, huh. and I had a dog. Dogs when I was a kid. So I've always uh, loved those little critters. And but I never thought of myself as someone. Who would get attached to a like a toy sized dog like that that was for like people who like to carry them around in bags as an accessory yeah to that, me right yeah that was a phenomenon earlier this century in the late nineties as well among yeah. Hollywood starlets I believe yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> and my wife volunteers at the Seattle Animal Shelter and about seven years ago now mm-hmm. there was an email that went out. They're like, we need, desperately need some fosters. We just pulled 44 animals out of an apartment in, in the U District. Oh, no. Huh. And, and Emily went in and asked them just to hand her the, the dog that needed to get out of the situation the most and handed her this tiny little Pomeranian hmm. who had pneumonia and all kinds of issues. And I noticed there was another, like, white little Pomeranian in a cat cage and a month later went back and got that one. So we had uh, these two little dogs and the court case, like you couldn't post anything about them on social media. You couldn't do anything to alter them, like take them to a groomer or get them neutered because, you know, if the court case was lost, the dogs would have to go back to the, the people who had them and the animals were taken from. Uh, the court case, I mean, it was an obvious thing, but like two of the three people who were involved, like skipped town. And so like, it took them a long time to just kind of come to some sort of realization that they weren't ever going to like really nail these people to the wall. Hmm. So after 14 months of having these funny little weird dogs, we felt like we couldn't give them up. No, you know, and, yeah. and my excuse was like one of them, the second one, Russell has such a strange, high pitched and probably to most people annoying voice. That like <laughs> the, 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 the kind of person who would just want an accessory dog yeah. would probably, 
you know, like either get the dog debarked or or try to train his his freakiness out of him, right. you know. Whereas we were just willing to let Russell be Russell. Nice. That's and great. so so we ended up adopting Russell and Terry, and uh, Terry unfortunately eventually died like three years, like less than three years old, because uh-huh. I think he had scarring on his lungs from that pneumonia. And oh, that, I'm, uh, I'm sorry to hear that. That's horrible. Yeah. 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 It was, it was, it was really terrible. Mm. And Dan got a dog and it was a little dog and guy's <laughs> been, uh, he, he had a skipper peep Pomeranian mix that sadly passed away. But luckily before they went to Australia, because you know, that dog was getting pretty old and it wasn't going to like just be able to make that journey and like be in quarantine in Australia for, I don't know how long their quarantine is, but it's definitely months. Yeah. So, you know, three of the four of us had little dogs (laughs) and that song was like one of the songs that uh, the music Dan wrote that. And we arranged it as if it was going to be an instrumental because it was such a kind of melodic, busy guitar part that I just, at first couldn't wrap my head around how to sing over that. Yeah. So like in the period between recording the initial batch of songs and then putting vocals down, like, you know, I had a, everything on a a, a CD that I was playing in my car and when commute home from work, I guess I must've been thinking about my little dog that was going (laughs) to greet me when I got home and just started free forming and like, by the time I got home, I had a couple of lines and I just like the idea was struck me as so fucking funny. I was like, I'm just going to go with this. You know, I might get mocked by the rest of my band or. <laughs> no, it's, it's lovely. It's charming. And, uh, I love it. I, to be honest, uh, when I was reading the lyrics last night and thinking about the song, are you familiar with, uh, Bruce McCullough? The kids in the hall has a song. Oh about- yeah. Yeah. Terriers. Terriers. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it has the same sort of sentiment of just like, just like a, it's why not? Why not like a lovely ode to dogs? What's wrong with that? No, it's great. Uh, thank you for sharing that and, and explaining that. My, my question was actually triggered because I was looking at the track listing and realizing there are 13 songs on the album. I believe there's a double seven inch. Um, or a seven inch maybe. Uh, so I don't know how many songs are on that. Um, there's like, a seven inch. It's two songs. Two it's songs. Limited. It's like 400 or something that's being made in Australia for the tour. Okay. So that's 15 songs. You said you recorded 20. Sorry, right. this is convoluted. My question was going to be what's coming up next for Mud Honey? Have you started writing new songs? And- we have not started writing new songs. There will probably be an EP similar to Morning in America, which was sort of like the songs that for one re- reason or another didn't quite make digital garbage. But, hmm. you know, some of those songs could have definitely made digital garbage. Same with some of the songs that we didn't put on Plastic Eternity, maybe like for reasons of thematic reasons or something, but like, you know, like when putting together an album, I try to come up with a flow that feels like kind of a mixtape. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So you're not just like, I mean, as much as I love hear nothing, see nothing, say nothing by discharge, it is pretty much one note. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 
Yeah, so you've got it's a great note. It's a great <laughs> note. And I'm I'm there for the entire record. Yeah, but you know, want to have something that a little bit of flow that would take you through different like feelings, I yeah. guess, yeah. emotions or, or I don't know, tastes and, kind of tastes and moods, tones. Yes, <laughs> yes, 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 exactly. <laughs> so you've got where I'm coming from mathematically is there's five songs that aren't accounted for as I'm speaking to you. You're suggesting they may or not make it onto an EP or something. No, no, I'm thinking those songs along with the two songs that are on the super limited seven inch will probably be on an EP. Oh, all of that. And oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cause I mean, the people who can't get those two and, and digital garbage, like some of those songs were on like a tour seven inch. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, you know, that's kind of what we're going with. And Johnny did uh, a, a dub remix of almost everything that's really cool. So we'll add that to it. Nice. You know, maybe we'll come up with some more remixes and do a double album. <laughs> maybe, why not? You could do a, at least a digital version and people would probably love that. Yeah, like a digital uh, expanded version or something or whatever. No, that's that's great. I, I appreciate that. Okay, so. Writing wise, uh, nothing hopping yet, but maybe uh, well, some- no. I mean, we I feel like write best when we're all in the room together. Yes. So that's going to be, I think, the issue going forward. Like how we actually like write new songs with guy in Australia. I mean, do we just gather together someplace and have an intensive workshop <laughs> or something? I don't, you know, I don't know. Do we sequester to a, a chateau in the countryside of France or perhaps a- <laughs> some sort of exile on Main Street situation, I guess? I don't know. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> no, that sounds – I mean, it sounds to me that the urgency that with which you had to work with deadlines, timelines, and whatnot – wasn't necessarily off-putting. It worked itself out. So maybe it's a new right. new way of doing things. Right, right. Like that urgency will be like, okay, we're only here for a week or two. Let's bang this out. And then, you know, maybe at the end of the week, the second week, we can record. If we're not ready, we're not ready. We didn't get it. Like, you know. Right, right, right. Anyway, who am I to tell you how to make a record? I'm just no, saying. No, <laughs> but I mean, I think that's probably some, along the lines of what we'll end up doing. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's an exciting thing for a band to change after all this time like to change the way they do things um uh it is a time of great change and adaptation so i (laughs) I, like i said earlier i'm just happy you're doing it it's such a great record i love this band nothing but good feelings if i may oh that's great (laughs) thank you you're welcome now if people (laughs) want to learn more about uh mud honey uh plastic eternity i assume they should check out sub pop dot com i want to say is the website off the top of my head i'll link to things is there anywhere else yeah. anywhere else you'd like to direct them any other major corporations we should cite uh right now for uh, mud honey <laughs> the coca-cola company of california <laughs> if you know what i mean I, uh, <laughs> those days hopefully are behind us all uh, <laughs> i can't believe that's the credits of volume four by black Sabbath. yes that's right that's right forgot about that no, uh, you're on the socials. You're on those things, I think, right? No, I'm not. No, no, sorry. Mud Honey is, I think, right? Oh, sh- sure. <laughs> Follow <laughs> Mud Honey or like Mud Honey, whatever you're asked to do by these pages of things. Uh, that's where I was coming from. And uh, more info at Sub Pop's site. Is that fair, Mark? Sure, yeah. Okay, cool. There's also a, a, a Shopify store that we have, uh, mudhoney.org. Yeah. 
Um, you got a band camp? You got a band camp? There's a band camp. There's also a, a store in the UK for people in UK and Europe who can order stuff. Uh, I think that's called something like Mud Honey Online. Oh, yeah. Um, Sounds familiar. So you can, yeah. you, you can, won't have to pay the exorbitant shipping fees from the US to Europe. I, is I, and people, yeah. people in New Zealand, Australia are kind of screwed. <laughs> Except you're going there. And South, and South America. We're going there. And actually, the record is getting pressed in Australia as well. So that, that'll hopefully keep the costs down there. Sweet. That's awesome. I, I, as I recall, uh, you've got some pretty loyal and dedicated fans who some, tend to some of your online presence. Is that right? Or am I making that up? Yeah, yeah. Uh, our friend Peter Trams, uh, we first met him when he was still in college, does that Mud Honey tour book site oh, yeah. that has yeah. all of our shows and set lists. It's amazing. I mean, the, the early years are kind of fuzzy and maybe not yeah. accurate, but uh, <laughs> definitely from the point in time where he started keeping track of things, everything is like very accurate. And I'll send him a, a photo of the set list for every show we do every night. And then he'll put that up. That's that, <laughs> that's lovely. See, that's amazing. I, I remember this from, yeah, yeah, I remember that. Well, that's no, that's great. And um, yeah, I hope people check out uh, plastic eternity and uh, go see mud honey live. I do want to ask uh, Mark. Oh, and, and also oh. our friend, Vincent, our friend Vincent Van Ness in Holland, he monitors like the, the meta sites, I guess, fa- uh, Facebook and Instagram. Right. Okay. And they're good. Because none of, none of us are savvy enough. No, he, they all, all these folks do a good job is what I'm getting at. It's, it's great. Um, so I, I think you're, I assume you feel fairly fortunate that you've got this loyal, uh, group. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah no, it's yeah. lovely. Uh, so, uh, as we're speaking, uh, Mark, the record is not out quite yet, but as people are hearing this, it will be soon. Uh, if we can go out on a song from Plastic Eternity for them to hear, I wonder if you can pick one for us and also explain maybe why it came to mind. Well, let's do uh, let's do uh, kind of the let's do something that most people won't hear and might be a little bit surprised by. Sure. Well, what do you have in uh, mind? I'm thinking one or two. That's a song that was also. The music was largely written by Dan on acoustic guitar in an open C tuning and has a kind of a, a, a different feel for Mud Honey in general. Like one of the things that kind of reminded us was uh, like kind of like one of the songs maybe off of metal, mm-hmm. Pink Floyd's metal, like has sort of a floaty feeling. So, yeah. Pretty, pretty sparse lyrically, too, in a way. Uh, yeah, it's got one verse. Yeah. Uh so that's that's maybe speaking to that Pink Floyd dreamy saying something but not like off kilter kind of thing, maybe? Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and definitely, you know, like uh was thinking of David Gilmore's slide work on one of these days. So that's the third verse is the homage to David Gilmore. Oh, nice. <laughs> you seem a little reflective of your guitar heroes on this record. I mentioned the Tom Herman song. Uh, is that fair? I mean, not across the board. I mean, you've mentioned two instances. I shouldn't generalize, sure. but yeah. Yeah. David Gilmore does some really cool stuff. Yeah. <laughs> He's a known quantity, unlike Tom Herman. <laughs> no, no, I know, but I just If you wondered. Google Tom Herman, chances are you'll get some sort of football coach. 
Yes, I actually tried to do that recently, and that is what I got. Uh, I wanted I wanted to figure out more about him based on your loving homage, just for my just so I I, I wondered if there were some lyrical allusions that I may not have gotten. But that, I read. that's the problem. That's the problem. E- yeah. Even if you go to like the uh, Wikipedia page for Perubu, he is the only person from the like. I guess original classic lineup that doesn't have a hyperlink. Yeah, you can Wikipedia page. Yeah, I saw that. So, so that needs to be rectified. I think anyone can do that, Mark. I think you can do that. I, I don't have the tools. <laughs> <laughs> well, I believe that's the whole point well, of that site is that anyone can add anyone <laughs> or, or the patience to figure it out. As you can tell by like my lack of computer savvy for setting up this. Uh, <laughs> you did a wonderful job everything's sounding great and i i just want to say that uh i always uh feel honored if i may uh to get to speak with you and that you make time for me mark and i think you made extra time for me today so i want to be mindful of that oh, thank you we so bored people no i don't think we bored well i might have but not you i just want to say that <laughs> mark it means a lot to me uh to, again to speak with you uh congrats on plastic eternity and good luck on tour and Best of luck in the future. I hope we speak again soon. Yes, indeed. Thank you, Vish. It's been a pleasure. No problem. We're going to go to it now. This is One or Two by Mud Honey. Enjoy.
Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Oh, it's always so sweet to get to talk to Mark Arm. Mark, thank you so much for being back on this show. For those of you listening... Out there and unfamiliar, this is the uh, 764th episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network and is available uh, almost wherever it is that you get your podcasts. If you can't find an episode that you've heard about and you're looking for it, uh, like Mark Arm's previous appearances on this show, for example, or if you want to learn more about me and sign up for my monthly newsletter, please visit vishkana.com. You can also like Creative Control uh, currently... You can do that on Facebook. You can like it in regular... You can just like it. You can walk around saying, you know what? I like that show. I like it. I don't have to tell anyone. I just like it. But you can like it on uh, on Facebook. You can also follow uh, the show on Twitter at Vish Creative, or you can follow me directly on Twitter and on Instagram at Vish Kana. Also, please consider visiting patreon.com slash creative control to make a flexible monthly donation to sustain this podcast, all the money that uh, comes in for the show that's clean and good comes from the Patreon people. So thank you to all of you who do this already. If you haven't done so and you want to or can afford to, uh, let me tell you this. $6 American or more a month grants you access to exclusive content. And you get the episodes earlier than everybody else. And if you're interested in receiving a Creative Control t-shirt, just message me on Patreon at that uh, $6 American or more a month level and I'll get you a t-shirt of your choosing while supplies last I know I'm from Canada and I said American but that's the way the Patreon thing is set up maybe I can fix that I don't know but it says American but you don't have to do $6 if you want to do less if you want to do more uh, you can and you can always change it at any point people do do that it's fine I just appreciate the support so once again please consider supporting the show financially at patreon.com slash creative control Thanks again to the fine Alberta record retailer Blackbird Music, which you can learn more about and place orders at uh, their, on their website there, blackbird.ca. also want to thank Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, Ontario, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario, for their in-kind support for this show. Thanks, as always, to my uh, dear friend Jim Guthrie for letting me use some music of his on this show. You can learn more about Jim at jimguthrie.org. And finally, thank you so much for listening to this episode with Mark Arm of Mudhoney. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we went all over the place in some ways, but I was but somehow everything we talked about, everything. The sharks, the surfing, well, maybe not that stuff. A lot of it had to do with the album. And uh, I hope uh, when the album comes out, uh, this uh, 
this conversation might be in the back of your head as you dig in and think, oh yeah, those guys talked about some of these things. So thank you for listening to this episode, for subscribing to Creative Control and asking your friends to do the same and, uh, and spreading the word about the show. It means so much. Thank you. I will talk to you very soon. Goodbye for now. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.